everyone and welcome to this edition of Wrestling Reverb on the Pulse Podcast Network. It's a um it's a different kind of feel to this podcast. It is my last podcast as a solo host. I'll have Kevin Carroll join me next week on Wrestling Reverb for a uh, permanent co-host, which I'm very, very excited about. Um, and also it's different for the fact that last week was Royal Rumble week. We had different people on to talk about different experiences with the Royal Rumble. And I recapped NXT TakeOver and Royal Rumble in, in general. And it's kind of just like a few days removed from that now. And... I have someone on today that I've wanted to have on for a little while. I kind of reached out to him on social media to kind of get the kind of get the okay to make sure this was all good. And today is going to be just a conversation about wrestling. Um, and now it's kind of tradition around here on Wrestling Reverb that I let my guests introduce themselves. So please introduce yourself. Tell tell us who you are and what you're kind of about. Hi, thank you for the intro and congratulations on uh, Pulse Pod Pod Pulse Pulse, Pulse Podcast Pod. Network. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> thank you. And congratulations on the uh, teaming up with Kevin Blogger. That's really cool. I'm excited wow. to to hear you guys chit chat. Uh, I am Wilfred. I am a wrestling fan since I was a little kid, as most people are, and. Um, I fell back in love with it a few, well, you know, about eight or nine years ago, and um, I primarily watch New Japan, a lot of British wrestling, and uh, try to watch as much wrestling as I can, basically. Um, So, yeah, thanks for having me on. Happy to talk about wrestling. Yeah. um, So, you know, you mentioned that you're a wrestling fan since you were a kid, and um, I think for the most part, uh, we all are. what was your kind of first interaction with wrestling that you can remember? From what I can remember, and I don't have like a seminal moment where I saw Jimmy Snuka on the cage. I don't remember stuff like that vividly, but I do remember watching WCW on, I want to say TBS Superstation, and they had like an hour long program. I think it was. Um, and then that was before, Monday Night Raw started, so I got my my first taste of wrestling, my dad watching on the weekends, and we would watch WCW, um, and then eventually got into WWF on Raw and watched the Saturday, uh, what was it, the Wrestling Challenge or the Superstar Challenge, something like that on the weekends, um, and then I eventually got into ECW because it was a perfect time. I was a teenager. I was... Wanting to look at girls, I was wanting to look at violence, and ECW spoke to me as a teenager. Um, so my direction, my focus was kind of shifting a little away from Stone Cold and Rock, which I idolized, of course, but it kind of shifted to ECW, and I liked the the differences of the variety of styles that I saw in ECW. Um, it was really fun, and I got to stay up really late to find it on a over-the-air channel, so that was fun. ECW, see, I, because I'm a little bit younger, so, like, I didn't start watching wrestling until, pre- like, I, re- I was told I watched wrestling when ECW and that was still around, but I didn't really start remembering wrestling anyway until basically just as the invasion started in, in WWF. So... I was just after that time. I wish I was around at that time because I think I would have probably was like you. I would have kind of um, naturally just went to the ECW brand 
um, just because I like that kind of stuff and that kind of setting. It was a little bit, you know, it was a little bit more of a punk rock feel than um, WWF and uh, WCW. Um, nonetheless, I mean, as a kid, you you mentioned Stone Cold, you mentioned Rock. Um, growing up, were you? Who were your kind of go to people? Who were your favorites growing up? As a kid, I was really big Macho Man fan. Uh, I really liked. He was over the top. He carried Elizabeth. He took care of Elizabeth. Uh, and so when you're like, uh, you know, anywhere between nine and like thirteen or fourteen, that's kind of an age where. Uh, I don't want to get like psychological on you, but that's kind of a, a phase where you are mimicking your dad or your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you, you kind of, you look at that and you see how masculine he is and how powerful he is. And, and you kind of want to mimic that naturally as a, as a young male, uh, like a prepubescent teen or, or male. So, so Macho Man was a really big one. Um, of course, Sting was a really big one just because he was a little different looking with the face paint. Um, I'll never forget his match with Great Muda in WCW. Um, I had no idea what Muda was back then. I didn't watch Japanese wrestling till I was, I'd say, about seven to eight years ago is when I started mm-hmm. focusing a little bit more um, on New Japan and Japanese wrestling. Um, but back then it was it was Stinger, Macho Man, Bret Hart. Oh my God, I always wanted to be that kid to get the Bret Hart, you know, shades. That was always like uh, a thing for a little a little boy. Be like, oh my God, I could be that fan if I go, you know. Yeah, um, no, so I that was a big one. I I, I it's funny we we talk about this because I I had the great opportunity to speak to Eddie Kingston today. Uh, which should probably be out by the time we speak. And he talks about how he saw NWA as a kid, and he saw blood, and he was like, well, this is way better than that WWF stuff. And it's funny because I saw it too, but I didn't see NWA. I saw WCW. Yep. And and when I was growing up, I was – I took a liking to all that hokey kind of WWF stuff. I liked seeing Doink and the Repo Man and Bushwhackers and Yokozuna. Like, I loved it as a kid. So, like, uh, I didn't get to grow up during the NWA days. I wonder how that would have changed me. But, but, but Bret Hart, Macho Man, Stinger, obviously Hulk Hogan. Everybody was a Hogan fan as a kid back then. Uh, he's kind of a, a not a great person <laughs> as we are now <laughs> aged and adults, but uh, you you can't lie to yourself. Hogan was everybody wanted to to be Hogan, so um, those are just some of the names that I uh, really big fans of. Yeah, and as you kind of um, grew up as a teenager and you know into an adult, was WWE well WWE probably at the time. Um, did you find yourself still as interested as a teenager in WWE or when did you kind of fall out with WWE in a sense? I fell out of wrestling entirely. Um, I guess it was around the time you got in around the invasion time. Like uh, ECW was dying an ugly death. Uh, You would very early internet days you would read about the fact that they're only worth like a couple thousand dollars and and it was really depressing 
And then you see WCW and you see Flair and and Stinger having the last match on Nitro and you see Shane McMahon there and it really messed with my head, man. I was just like, I, I didn't like it. I just didn't like it. Um, and so right around that time for about a year or so after the whole invasion stuff, I kind of just fell out of it. Um, but that was also a time when, you know, I was like 19, 18, 19 and, uh, started working and, uh, so I kind of just fell out of it for a long time. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. A lot of people mm. um, did at that time because it was so, I mean, for someone like you who had watched wrestling, you know, for a fair long time before that, it would have been, like, for lack of a better term, it would have been just weird. Like, why is this happening? And it's kind of the end of an era. So I can completely understand why. I mean, mm-hmm. that's when I started to kind of really... Um, remember wrestling and stuff like that. So I really didn't know any different. That was just completely normal to me, really. Um, what kind of... Why you were away, away from wrestling when you kind of fell out of it, did you kind of at all keep up with anything that was going on or did you completely distance yourself from wrestling? Okay, so this was before the wwe network this was before that like that didn't come along until what like 2014 or 13 like it's not that old right no i don't know how old the network is but it's not that old so during all the 2000s essentially i completely fell out of wrestling but uh i was a really big fan of like watching old matches that i remember on youtube and daily motion and all these things so i would watch like classic matches and stuff like that but as far as like the current product i would occasionally like poke back in and say oh who is this guy who i don't even care so like i totally skipped like from 2001 to like 2011 like i completely just fell out entirely oh that's completely fair and um a lot of people in that situation um, would completely fall out of wrestling and probably not find it again. What do you say is the moment that kind of brought you back in? You know, and it's, 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 it's interesting. I love this, this, this question because it brought a lot of people back in, whether we want to admit it or not. And CM Punk did that for me. Uh, When I saw him on, ESPN or whatever, and they did a story how so and so wearing a Stone Cold T-shirt um, is going to leave the company like that. And I listened to the promo. Uh, this is what 2010 or 11 or whatever. And I listened to it, and I'm like, "Wow, this is convincing." And I knew John Cena was like the star. I knew he was the guy. I didn't really know who our truth was. I didn't really know. You know, all the players at the time, but this punk guy spoke to me again at that one time where I'm like, this is convincing. This is the type of stuff I remember during the late 90s with Stone Cold and he's hating his boss and Vince and ECW was, you know, there was no script. They were just crazy. And um, so it spoke to me and I kind of slowly crept back in. I didn't watch like weekly, but I started watching those segments and I was like, this is really convincing and fun. And it kind of dragged me back in. And we don't talk about that enough, I think, 
the moment where we get back in because wrestling is very colorful, very uh, characteristic, uh, very over-the-top renditions of characters. And usually it's for children and young adults. And there's a point where we all grow out of it. Some never do. Some grow out of it and then come back. And I think there's a lot to be said about that CM Punk promo that I don't think we've really digested, that that a really big dose of reality um, in a storyline could be really fun. So that brought me back into it, um, at least, at least in, up until that point. Yeah, I think we don't talk about that enough because, A, CM Punk brought a sense of realism into a world, like you said, that is very colourful, very animated to a certain degree. Um, And punk, like WWE, especially now, for 90% of their product, they pride themselves on trying to blur the lines. Um, What's real, what's not. Um, CM Punk was the perfect example of that because for someone like me who... Um, I'm the example of I never really fell out of wrestling. Um, I've always just been kind of involved. I'm probably more involved now than I feel like I ever have been. But I kind of say that because I'm living in in the now and and whatever. But punk, even for someone like me, you look at you know that promo especially, and you go, okay, but he wasn't meant to say that or or this. That is the realest parts that does remind me of the late '90s, like you said, like the Stone Colds, etc. Um, and I think it isn't talked about enough that CM Punk was a very integral role in bringing in a lot of people um, like yourself that fell out of wrestling. Um, you know, you said you fell out of wrestling completely. And if CM Punk is bringing you back in, um, at least to watch those segments, to at least to watch him, by association, you know who our truth was. Or, yeah, you said you knew who John Cena was, but... You know, just by association, he's bringing in a lot more eyes on whoever he is, um, whoever's in that segment with him. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that Punk brought someone, even if, it, I know he brought more than one person, but even if he brought one person back into the product, that's still one person he's bringing back into the product. And it isn't talked about enough, especially now because Punk is so distant from pro wrestling. Um Speaking of just kind of why we're on CM Punk, um, the way he left the pro wrestling business in general, um, what is your kind of take on him leaving the business the way he kind of did? And not only that, just his attitude towards pro wrestling now. Do you, if you were in his shoes, would you have done the same thing? Okay, go ahead and three, two, one kind of deal. Yeah, so CM Punk, he hasn't done anything that <laughs> he hasn't painted himself in glory. He's he's kind of left the scene in a really nasty way. So it's left a bad taste in in everybody's mouths for the most part. And it's still weird to hear chants and people online want to have him back when. He walked out on us. 
So it's a very interesting dichotomy that we have, and it's very ironic that he brought in a lot of people with that storyline, yet he walked out and we're still here. So it's it's a very complex marriage that we have um, with wrestling. And, and, and it's also interesting because when we watch a movie, we don't hold the actors to – to a standard to where, well, why did they say that in their acting line? Yet in wrestling, it's a totally different thing. Like if they do a promo that's really negative or racist or anything like that, then we give hate to them. Or if they mess up and hit somebody in the face, then we have different standards for them. Even though this is all acting, this is like a performance act. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's interesting dichotomy. I don't think anybody's really – uh, assessed fully yet uh, i'm i'm interested to to talk more about it though it's it's you know what eight it years is, on now and we still haven't really yeah it's talked weird, about like, that. You, you talk about like essentially wwe or pro wrestling in general is just a giant movie or at least a, re- a recurring television show um it, it, it is these essentially what are just athletic actors um, are all just playing characters and sometimes with for the most part with wrestling no wrestling fan can just put the difference between character and the actual person playing it um, for someone like CM Punk um, you know if you're in that situation in any job where you're not happy and you've been you feel you've been mistreated or, or whatever was going on in his head no one will really ever know except him um you know it's hard to kind of go well I would do that in that situation or maybe I'd do it a little bit differently or whatever you have a bad relationship with a company or with a certain person or or whatever and but the problem is with wrestling fans is that they can't separate the two. So they lash out on him as a person, which is unfair and whatever. He has said a lot of things about the wrestling business and, you know, his exit and and the whole the whole mess of a situation that it really was or is. And and because of that, I don't want to see him back. Like, oh, neither do I. I don't really care to. Like, I've lost interest in him as a character because – he the way he left i mean you see people like neville or Pac who who felt this similar way i don't know obviously the situations were different but the similar situation with contracts and such and Pac sat it out he went quiet and he went dark for a year and you see other people who just wait till the end of their contract and it's like I know it's a case-by-case situation, but it doesn't leave a good taste in wrestling fans' mouths whenever somebody just walks out. So No, I agree with you completely there. And um, for someone like Neville Puck, um, he, he did go in, you know, he didn't, you've seen it on his Twitter feed. He literally tweeted and then didn't tweet for a year and then he's, you know, he's back when he's, his contract is up or whatever it was or he finally was granted his release, whatever the situation was. Um, that's the difference between being a professional about something and being a bit of a jerk about something and just being very unprofessional. And that is a perfect example. Like you said, the situations are obviously different and um, they're obviously two very different people in a sense. So um, I brought up wrestling fans in general and wrestling fans are um, 
they're passionate. I'll say that. They're very <laughs> passionate fans. When you hear the word wrestling fan, what is the first thing that kind of comes in your mind? Um, honestly, <laughs> it is very, uh, I know, I know people honestly, yeah. and I'm going to say, I'm going to say this with a preface that I just went to ring of honor on the weekend and it was my first show in 20 years that I've been to a wrestling show. And the first word that I think of is smelly and rude. <laughs> and I say that honestly, because I'm transparent and there were some really stupid sexist remarks um, and just dumb remarks like that people are saying out loud at a show. And, and that, that's just, that's just one experience, but I don't know. Like the other word I could think of is niche. Like people, like you explain, wrestling is a very fanatical fan base, very fanatical people. Um, we're very passionate about what we like and don't like. Um, but we forget sometimes it's a very small niche. Like it's a very small, very small subgenre of entertainment mm-hmm. and combat or the mix between the two. So, I think if I had to choose one word, I would say niche because it's a very, very small group, but it's a very concentrated group. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say, I guess. Yeah. Wrestling fans, like I said, they're passionate. They um, they have their opinions on 100% of the product 100% of the time. We've all been, <laughs> we've all been there. We've all, um, I'm sure you have, I know I have. We've all had our opinions on whether they're right, wrong, um, unjustified, whatever. Whether they're asking for them or not, we all have our opinions. Um, WWE today, um, we had a little, you know, and just talking with you in the past and talking with you a little bit before we started recording, you're, you keep tabs on kind of what's going on. You're up to date, at least in terms hey, of... Hey, I, I did watch the Royal Rumble. Oh, okay. So just letting you know that. Yeah. Okay. Um, you, obviously, regardless, you, you know what's kind of the main stuff that's kind of happening, and I'm sure you tap in and tap out on sometimes on watch certain segments or whatever. But what is it about today's landscape of WWE? Um, and also, um, what kind of made you fall out again with WWE? Was it after Punk? Was it... Just you never really got completely back into it. Um, what is your kind of take on it now? That's interesting because I haven't really assessed that yet. I haven't really reflected on why. Um, but I, I I, will say that when I saw Prince Devitt coming out of a casket on a YouTube video and he was painted up in a New Japan entrance match, I my my focus, you know, jumped over there, and I said, "What is this?" And that kind of sparked my attention to New Japan when the whole bullet stuff, bullet club stuff, was starting. Um, but as far as WWE, uh, it's hard to pinpoint. It's more of an accumulation of a lot of wasted time and a lot of oversaturation of programming. So. When I kind of fell out, it was before 205, it was before NXT UK, it was – NXT events weren't 
as a high caliber as they are now. Um, they didn't really get to that point yet when I jumped out. Um, I I kind of got to a point where I was trying to only watch NXT because of like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn because I was big fans of them in Ring of Honor. Uh, but it's just too much content for me and not enough. It's too much filler within the content. So you've got three hours on one night, two hours on another, one hour on Wednesdays, another hour on Wednesdays for 205, another hour for NXT UK. Uh, you've got the main event, then you've got uh, NXT two and a half hours, then you've got a WWE event that's you know three to four hours or seven hours. I mean, it's it's too much time, not enough content, not enough stuff that's keeping me pulled in. Um, I did really like the Jericho and Kevin Owens angle; that was hilarious. Um, so there are little things that I do enjoy that I'll pop in and I'll, I'll want to keep tabs on. Obviously the Becky Lynch stuff this year is really exciting. So I'll jump in and I'll keep an eye on the promos or the matches just to kind of see, just to get a taste of, or the flavor or temperature of like what they're doing with that. Um, but too much content, too much time. It, it's just a lot of time. And so my focus shifted to more of a, combat presentation like a more of an athletic presentation which is more so new japan and that's where that's where my love kind of fell in for the last uh seven years or so i understand that there is a lot of content and um i don't necessarily you may disagree with me on this and but i think with wwe um they're trying to cater to every member of an audience in a way so I'm almost to the point where WWE aren't even expecting everyone to watch everything, but they're trying to cater to a casual fan, um, the children. They're trying to cater to us with stuff like NXT and 205 Live, and they're just trying to cater to every demo. But like you said, there is a lot of filler. There, it's It seems to be on paper you look at it and you're like oh look at all this they've got so much to watch but there isn't a lot of substance to all of it so i do understand exactly where you're coming from in that and honestly when there is alternatives like new japan or ring of honor um impact whatever it may be there's always something else to shift your focus to and, and give your time and attention to um i am the kind of person that i i watch predominantly wwe but Obviously, I know what's going on around around the pack with everything, and um, especially with New Japan, um, the last maybe two years, I've at least watched their big events, and I know what's kind of, you know, the general gist of what's kind of going on, um, and honestly, New Japan as a company has grown in the last two or three years longer, um, so it's almost to the point, and not saying I was, you know, ignoring it or anything like that but it's very hard if you wanted to ignore it because it is there it is it is it is becoming a very steady alternative um and we bring up alternatives and AEW is obviously starting um before we kind of um before before knowing what you know about AEW now when you first heard AEW was starting what was your initial reaction to it 
Um, Bullet Club Federation, basically. <laughs> I mean, Bullet Club Pro Wrestling, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but my initial thought was, what else do you have to sell to me? I mean, because at the end of the day, we're consumers. We're going to have, like, let's think of it this way. We have 20 dollars i have twenty dollars where am i gonna spend twenty dollars am i gonna go get it on a shirt am i gonna go spend 10 of it on wwe and uh, and you know seven of it on progress am i gonna spend you know so you have to think about as a consumer as a fan where am i gonna put my money to i'm gonna put my money into stardom personally and new japan and progress those are my things that i enjoy now um so when I hear AEW, I think Bullet Club, Bullet Club Federation. So my first instinct was like, they need a lot more than that. Um, you can fill 30 to 45 minutes, maybe an hour with with just Bullet Club people. And I was like, you need a lot more. And they're slowly getting delivered. They're not in a rush. They don't need to rush. Um, they've got a lot of time. But uh, they're definitely making headway. Um and it is starting to feel like when I was a kid when you have different channels you can change it to because mm-hmm. um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, you know, just because just because you got an AEW shirt and you start following them and you start following being the elite and all that stuff doesn't mean you're anti WWE. It just means that that's where you're sending your money to. That's where you're sending your your wrestling funds to for this time. Um, because I'm not anti WWE. There's a lot of really, really cool things going on right now. Um, like Gargano and Ciampa, which I just saw stream on my timeline. Um, they're doing tapings, I think. So it's like, there are really good things that they do, but it's not enough to keep me in tune for three hours and stuff. So, so AEW is going to have to do a lot. Um, but man, they have deep pockets and, and that's, that's promising for a consumer like you and I, um, cause we'll have options. WWE yeah. sucks. We'll go to AEW for exactly. a couple months. And if AEW anything, sucks, we'll go back and watch NXT for a little while. I mean, so competition's much. good and it makes us better. Yeah. And if anything, um, I don't know what your kind of take on this, but the first thing I kind of thought on when I saw it, well, obviously the first thing was, I was like, this is a good thing for the business as a whole because it's a somewhere else for the people to work um, and make money. Um, B it's, it's competition. It makes the, the entire business better because like I, like I was going to say, like, I don't know how you, you kind of feel about this, but if anything for me as a, you know, primary WWE watcher, it, it may make WWE take their finger out of their ass and at least, look at their own product and go, okay, there is something coming up in six, seven, 12 months. Um, that is some, a somewhere else for our talent to work. If they don't want to work here, um, it is competition to us in the sense of the hardcore wrestling fan that maybe is just fed up with WWE fed up with some of the way they do things. And like we're talking about before, it's a lot of content with, um, not equal substance, so it it might drive them to AEW. Um, it's another major American wrestling company that is competition to WWE. Um, do you think that WWE, in a whole, are worried about AEW? 
It's the the company is thirty days old. AEW. They have no nothing. They have nothing. They have some names. They have potential TV deals, and they've got good names. Um, what's more worrying, I think, is the deep pockets that they have. And in this small niche of wrestling that we share, we have this perception that Vince is God when it comes to money. He can buy everything. Well, there's a new, you know, interplayer too, and and that's Tony Khan and the Khan family. Um, so if they're not. I mean, they should be worried because we're not talking about uh, – I honestly don't think we're talking about a TNA or a Ring of Honor. A uh, Ring of Honor essentially is like an evolved ECW. Uh, TNA is, an, uh, is like – well, they tried to be an evolved WCW, NWA style. Um, I don't think that you can compare TNA and Ring of Honor and Impact or whatever – it's a different kettle of fish. It, I really think that I don't think if they I don't know if they need to be worried now, but there are some huge red flags and, and alarms coming off um, that they should at least keep their eyes on. Um, I don't think you would be you would be worried now as a company because they've got their tentacles WWE literally all over the globe. And in markets and regions that that no other companies have, you've got uh, Indian broadcast team, you've got India deals, you've got UK deals, you've got uh, showing in Germany, you've got them on uh, Sky Sports. You've you know your WWE's in a lot of areas that other companies aren't, and so that's a huge success. So I don't think they're going to be really worried. Until we start seeing, like, just to speculate, just between you and me, if we see, like, an AJ or Randy, I mean, one of the big players, then then that would be a signal for uh, an alarm for, for concern, I think. Um, but losing Dean, losing um, Revival, those aren't deal breakers. They're not necessarily, like, on the bus, uh, images. They're not in the promo deals when you go to board meetings. The people are all who, 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 the faces that are on the meetings and the planning when they talk about long term projections, those are like AJ, Randy, big names like that. That's a concern. But, but I don't think we're at that point just yet. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, maybe down the line when actually things start happening, like you said, AEW is 30 days old. Um, yeah, sure, there's TV deals and stuff like that that's in the works. Um, and we don't know what kind of, you know, landscape they're going to, you know, make and, and where they're going to be in the world and stuff like that. Because you talk about TV deals and stuff like that. WWE is the only wrestling program in Australia that airs on a weekly basis. We don't get uh, impact here. We used to. We don't anymore. So as a wrestling fan here, um, I have to seek out other things. So... I know a lot of things is um, very um, internet-based now and, you know, a lot more things are happening on the internet. But as as a TV deal, WWE is the only one that airs here. We get it live every week. Um, we don't get impact and anything else I have to seek out. So, you know, when you talk about, like, WWE is an international company. Um, 
it's not just like AEW are going to come in and tear WWE down from its core and, you know, this is the end all be all. But at least it might, like like you said, if they get people like an AJ Styles or a Randy Orton, you know, big household names, it might at least, you know, ruffle WWE's feathers. Um, but all in all, um, you'll probably agree with me as well. I think AEW is a good thing and it just makes the business a better as a whole. I think it can. Um I mean, this is uncharted waters. We we don't know. We don't know because WCW had a TV station. They had the TV deal. They already had a lot of talent. They had all the big names. In a, in a way, you could say that the personnel, the admin, and, and the creative kind of killed it off and hurt it. But look at how close they came – to really putting Vince out of business. I mean, if they could come that close with, (laughs) you know, before the NWO, you know, splintered into like 18 different things, um, they gave them a serious run for the money. And I know that Victor's, you know, write the history, um, but I lived through that and a lot of people listening to this live through that. And WCW almost almost did it like they were close and so if aew can get some marquee names have a steady fund uh financial resource coming through a flow of money coming through getting venues uh having the online presence i mean they could do some serious damage like they could really really shake things up and to see what they've done in just one month is really alarming um it's it's a positive for a wrestling fan, but for the last 20 years, there's been one player in the game and like, you know, dozens of companies on the outer circle. But now there's somebody else inside the circle and we have no idea what's going to happen. It's it's extremely fascinating. It's exciting. It is exciting um, regardless of what we do or don't know. Um, it is exciting – as a wrestling fan to kind of just watch it from the outside and, and see where it's going to go. Um, now new Japan and stuff like that. I, I did mention that I've kind of in the last couple of years, at least watched the big events and at least keep tabs on new Japan. Um, I think you kind of mentioned that you, it, it's more presented as like a, um, athletic contest as rather than a television show in a sense or entertainment based product. Um, New Japan, to me, is presented as maybe like a sport. Um, It's presented more real. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. Um, New Japan right now, you're obviously a a big fan of New Japan, a big fan of that kind of style of wrestling. Um, What's some of the biggest things that are interesting you about New Japan as a whole right now? Right now... um, there's always a flow of of good talent there's always and they and the, and the talent is the wrestlers are used in a way that satisfies me um so a jay white character is nasty and slimy and sneaky and he's portrayed that way in in detail he's not just given to me in a vignette video package he does it when he's in a headlock, when he when he 
takes the guy outside and wrestles and he and he works dirty. You know, there, it's very, very detail-oriented in New Japan. So you really build that character inside the ring. Um, and then you have really, really long storylines, arcs. So you have something like Okada who – you know, hit the height. He he beat the record of long of most defenses of holding the heavyweight title. He held it for like a year and a half or whatever. Um, he even defeated Tanahashi uh, to break the record of defenses of the title. And then he has the. I mean, that's they don't just bump him down a peg and say, "All right, now you're going to go work the mid card for a month or two. No, he was plummeted to the bottom. He was losing everything. He dyed his hair red. He started coming out with balloons. Like they really, really put detail and focus on the character and they don't rush it. They take their time with it. I mean, if you have to rush a story, it's because somebody left or somebody, you know, uh, was injured or something like that. But everything is taken with such precaution and and thoughts. And uh, it's in New Japan as a fan – I don't live in a three-week time continuum where whatever happens three weeks ago doesn't count or I'm supposed to forget as a fan. No, I remember. And you're supposed to remember things that happened a year ago or five months ago. And it's part of that character's story because in a, in a New Japan world, we see their story from when they start to when they die or when they retire or leave or whatever. So so it's very character driven in a way and very story driven and and that's what I appeals to me and at the same time I'm getting very very physical hard hitting action and I don't have to watch UFC for it you know cuz UFC provides that combat entertainment as well but it's over in like 2 minutes you yeah. know I can't really fulfill myself and watch it and with this I get to see a character grow hit the bottom and find his way back up. And I love that. So so those are just some of the reasons that I'm just a huge, huge mark for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, no, I definitely understand you. It's definitely um, as opposed to WWE, which I this is my biggest problem with WWE, is it's very booked on the short term, whereas in a place like New Japan, it's very booked on the long term. They obviously have a plan for absolutely everything they do, for the most part, um, like you said. Um WWE is so, I think sometimes WWE do things for the shock and they don't really plan out the next maybe month after that shock and things fall flat. You've seen it countless time again in, in the company where things have so much momentum and it just falls so flat because they're just too much on the booking of week to week like you said like you don't necessarily have to remember or you're you're told to kind of forget what happened two or three weeks ago which as a fan um i get most annoyed with especially wwe if they're trying to insult my intelligence as opposed you know i watched something three weeks ago i still remember that um but also, I've been bringing this up a lot lately. I try to get in the mindset of a casual wrestling fan because the details that I sometimes notice, I don't necessarily notice if I don't necessarily know if a casual wrestling fan will notice some of those details because I am watching it 
um, almost with a microscope. I'm watching it for every single little detail. Um, what is your kind of take on WWE and wrestling as a whole, but mainly WWE? Are they focusing too much on a casual wrestling fan? Or is that a better business kind of sense to have is to hook in other casual people instead of focusing on the hardcore wrestling fan? Well, they don't need to focus on the hardcore wrestling fan. They don't need to. There, There's other companies that do that and do that well. The, the way that you reach more people is making a product for, like you had said earlier, all ages, different types of people, different cultures, something that a lot of different cultures can understand. So that's where you're going to make your money. You're making money by growing your tentacles all over the globe. If you're just going to be a wrestling product, it's a little harder to sell that to a casual fan. It, it's it's a little harder to sell that to an 11-year-old or 10-year-old who really wants to just see a lot of colors and bright lights. You see the the Raw now where it's like, the entire entrance ramp is a video screen, and then the graphics for the names are like giants, um, and then like the turnbuckles or, or the post are are video screens too. Like, look at all the colors and bright colors and powerful neon colors, and you know that's their target. You're trying people who are either not as smart <laughs> or children. Um, will be attracted to colorful lights and flashy music. That's just how it goes. I agree with you completely. Um, and I'm not trying to piss off anybody, but no, that's just – they're a business. They don't care who you are. You're a stat. Yep. You're, you're a number. You're a figure. They don't care about you. Um, they're a worldwide business um, on the market, so they don't know who you are and they don't care. Um, so what they're doing – is being an amazingly successful company with no competition. Um, so hopefully that changes in the next you know two to three years where they actually have to be innovative again. Um, because what they're selling to me is not something I really want to buy. No. Um, but sometimes they have cool stories. I mean, sometimes they'll have some matches I want to watch or sometimes they'll have a character I'm interested in keeping eye on. But coming back and watching for you know three hours that's a hard sell to me but i'm not the normal wrestling fan so you know it's hard it's hard to to differentiate but you're going to make more money selling to a 10 year old and the dad than you're going to sell to the hardcore wrestling fan you know what i mean yeah yeah i get you i have a 10 year old brother and he watches wrestling for a completely different reason than i do he likes the colors he likes hell yeah it's awesome as as a 10 year old I would be too. I'd be. Look, he likes people like Roman Reigns and Bailey. Like he loves those characters because, essentially, that is what WWE are trying to do. They're trying to get the kid to watch pro wrestling, no matter really what. Well, they're trying to get a kid to watch WWE. Sometimes I like to think of WWE as an entertainment company that happens to feature wrestling, um, and that's not a bad thing. It's. It's an international company. They're obviously very successful, and they know how to run a business. They wouldn't have been doing it for this long if they didn't. Um, they're a money-making machine. Um, what? So you said you watched the Royal Rumble. Um, there was a very... Um, it was a minority, but it definitely was a thing. 
especially when we're talking about being a company marketed to, you know, families, children, intergender wrestling. Um, We had Nia Jax in the men's Royal Rumble, as well as the women's, but in the men's Royal Rumble, and she took an RKO, she took a um, 619 and a super kick. In a company that is, you know, like we said, marketed to families, to children, do you think this is an okay thing? What is your what is your personal take on intergender wrestling? My personal take is that it's it's awesome and and it's uh, it's good and it's a positive step and it's not because girls are beating up men. That's not the point I'm making. I'm not trying to be a social justice warrior where I'm trying to be nice and sweet. Uh, I want to see the women get their ass kicked too. Mm-hmm. It goes both ways. It can't go one way. So the matches that I've seen like Millie McKenzie or Candy Floss, uh, you know, TK Cooper, uh, a lot of intergender matches, especially in, in the British scene right now, um, they're good and they're competitive. I remember watching Tony Storm fight Tim Thatcher on like a WrestleMania weekend or something. I think it was last year or the year before. It was brutal and it was great. You see Mia Yim fight uh, Matt Riddle. You see Mia Yim fight Keith Lee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I love it. Now, as far as WWE goes, I applaud them greatly because that's a, a massive step in the right direction. But I highly doubt they're going to do that with Becky it it seems like Nia Jax was the only one because of her size and her persona of being hated, essentially. Um, I think that Nia is the only one you could have done that with to break the mold. But I, I, I highly doubt you're going to start seeing it regularly. Um, but as for wrestling, it's fantastic. Absolutely. I, I agree. Why not? Yeah, Why not? It's, it's a perfect, and if the girl yeah. gets beat to hell and she taps out or she's bloody, who cares? That's part of being in combat. That's part of being in a wrestling match. That doesn't really fit what WWE sells, but they can do it in a way that they can still do it. Yeah. It's just going to be a very watered down kind of. Uh, not as even battle you know what i mean like I get you. it's it it's not going to be straight one versus one kind of battle um but uh i think it's fantastic absolutely so do i i think it's like you said a good step in the right direction um you know especially in a time where you know wwe themselves has always said that this is a television show we don't live in an era where it's like oh it's just what's going on that you know we know what the goal is um so if you're presenting a company in that way i don't see why you couldn't do this but like you said i want this to be an equal fight i don't just want this to be you know i want it to be women i i I just want it to be two wrestlers having a, a match regardless of what their gender may be but like you said in a wwe world i do think it'll be a little bit um watered down and it'll be a little bit more one-sided but it wouldn't have it wouldn't have happened if Nia Jax wasn't the size that she is and you know just the presence that she kind of carries like Mm -hmm. you said being hated and stuff like that regardless um not taking in any of those factors did you think it was a cool moment at the Royal Rumble absolutely man (laughs) I mean I haven't seen a pay-per-view since I 
think the last WrestleMania I think I watched. Mm-hmm. I do watch the NXT events from time to time. Um, I, I missed this last one because I was chatting with a you know, at an interviewer. I was recording or something, but but I do try to catch up with the NXT events. They usually are pretty good wrestling quality and pretty fun stuff to see what the storyline is. Um, so I was really. Uh, impressed like a lot of the rumble was kind of tough to watch some of it was kind of lame some of it was really good um like the daniel bryan aj match was really good up until the very typical wwe finish Mm -hmm. but the match was fantastic i loved it um the becky match was really really good um, the women's rumble was kind of lackluster until the end, of course, but it's a rumble, so it happens. Um, but it was cool to see some young talent come through. Um, what else? Uh, Lesnar finish was interesting. I like that. I actually kind of liked the, the ending. Um, but as far as Nia Jax, it was, it was, it was a signal of intent. I mean, I think WWE has a long way to go with their racist mentality mm-hmm. and their sexist mentality but at least that was a huge positive in the right direction i don't know if they'll fulfill it because they haven't shown anything like that to most fans for a while but it's a signal of of of, of good intent and i thought it was awesome and i wouldn't stop tweeting about it for like an hour afterwards so they did their job with that um but but I'm a different type of wrestling fan, so I'm not going to tune in the next night. You know what I mean? I'm not going to tune in for three hours if I, I'm not going to have fun with it. Um, so the occasional pay per view I'll watch, um, and, and I loved it. It was it was a fan. I'm really glad that I sat in and watched that one. Yeah, um, or else I would have not even been talking about it right now. Probably. Yeah, and you know you mentioned um, things like Becky and Oscar. You really enjoyed that. You enjoyed the Brock um, Finn finish. Um, we talk about like the women of, of WWE and wrestling. Um, you know, s- when you were a kid, women weren't presented in a way that they are now. Um, you know, seeing the difference between then and now, um, well, obviously I'm pretty sure you agree that it's a great thing. Um, you know, we're definitely on the road to WrestleMania cliche as it is. Um, and Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey, a you know, pretty much a shoe in to, to main event the show, at least in my eyes. Um, do you, for one, do you think that is a good thing that they are main eventing a WrestleMania, potentially? So, yes, but not because they're women, but because Becky has earned that spot. Thank uh, you. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not because we're going to be the year of the women and we're going to show how we care about women now. No, it's not that because she's actually really earned it. The way that Charlotte and Becky have carried themselves throughout the year and been and uh, stolen a lot of the spotlight from the dudes in a company where you have Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, Brock Lesnar, Ciampa, Gargano, when you – Shinsuke, when the ladies are taking over – um, you need to just get out of the way. So they absolutely deserve it, and it would be awesome if they didn't. If they had like subpar years, then I think it might be kind of a a cop out for WWE. But they've deserved their spot, so absolutely. 
Yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, You know, you talk about, obviously, Becky is someone that has kind of transcended WWE. She is more of, maybe not a mainstream star yet, but she's certainly a very big deal in the wrestling industry. People definitely know who she is, even if you don't watch WWE. Um, You talk about her and, and Charlotte's program kind of just, it was you know, the best program WWE put on last year, in in my opinion. Um, and they've kind of, you know, outdone the dudes in a lot of way. Um, for someone like Becky, who has definitely 100% earned her spot, on the flip side, you have Ronda Rousey. Um, obviously, she has mainstream appeal and stuff like that. But do you think that Ronda Rousey has earned her spot as a WrestleMania main eventer? As a WrestleMania main eventer probably not but if if you have a former ufc champion uh who was just breaking people's arms for fun um and has still has the draw power that ronda rousey has you would be crazy not to put her in the main event regardless of if she deserves it or not so that's where i have to put like my business glasses on and my business hat and say who makes more money? Because when we're talking about WrestleMania, she, you know, she's a case where she might not have deserved it, but she needs to be, uh, you know, front and center. Um, so that's that's a, the the I, ironic case of Rousey because Becky deserved it a hundred percent, but Rousey is a name that you can't not have. She's too big of a name that you can't – you could just leave in the, the co-main event or at the 9 o'clock hour or the 8 o'clock. It's, it would be a bad business move at that point. Um, even if she hasn't totally deserved it in everybody's eyes, you're going to tune in to watch. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's an interesting case with Rousey, honestly. It's, it's an interesting case. Um, and if Rousey does you know, leave, if this isn't like a full-time long-term thing for her – then um, Becky would be the, the the best one to knock her off her perch, I think. Oh, I agree. Um, you know, just kind of quickly, do you think that Charlotte Flair, A, do you think she should be added to the match? B, do you think she will? I don't know, like, the storyline if she should or shouldn't. Um, but I personally would put her in a match. It depends, though. It depends on if you are – depends on what's happening. If Rousey is – if Rousey is leaving next year or in a few months or whatever, we nobody knows the contract because we're not in the contract negotiations. So, you know, screw all the reports you read. You don't really know. So depending on if she's leaving at any time in the near future, then Becky would be the person I would put to put her over. Um, if she's sticking around for a while, I would actually keep Charlotte. I would put Charlotte in the match too, because she's deserved it. And also you have more storylines to play with. Um, so-and-so can pin so-and-so, so-and-so, you know what I mean? So you can get a a few more months and, and matches out of those. Um, so, I mean, if I was booking it based on my limited knowledge, I would put Charlotte in the match, um, just to add a little intrigue to it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get you completely. Um, it's very, very hot topic. Um, you know, other things in, in wrestling, do you think that, 
in 10 years' time, it's hard to tell, we don't have a crystal ball, but do you think in 10 years' time, Becky Lynch will be someone we look back on and say, she was a big deal and she made a very big difference in this industry? I, I don't have the confidence in WWE to say that right now. Um, because I think if we had this conversation uh, three to five years ago, we would be saying the same thing about Sasha Banks. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, oh, she's coming up from NXT. Her and Bailey are going to be the, the new trendsetters. And just in a matter of that many years, we're not necessarily talking about them in the same light again. Um, so it's really hard cause I don't have enough confidence in them to push or give Becky, I shouldn't say push, but to give Becky a long-term storyline because they don't like long-term story. So it's, it's hard for me to think that, that this won't all die out in a, a couple months or in another year. Um, just because I've, I'm jaded and I've seen it all, uh, I've seen everybody put at the top before, and the only guy who to who to ever, you know, the only people who who stand tall at the end of the day are Cena, Orton, Undertaker, Triple H. You know what I mean? List goes on. Um, so other than that, who else is going to make their way through? Uh, it's hard to say. I don't think Becky will. I don't know. If she does, it'll be amazing, but I, I don't have much confidence in her being the the trendsetter for the next year or two, maybe the next year, but WWE is going to get their eye on somebody else and then, you know. Put the jets on them and then we have another six-month thing and then it's just kind of a rotating cycle at this point, so I definitely understand what you're saying. Hey, but things can change. You know, oh, yeah. that's just what we're used to. So maybe if they have the competition or they see that somebody's going to leave and they don't want to lose an Io Shirai, they don't want to lose a Rhea Ripley, if it gets to that point, maybe they'll be innovative again and make better decisions um, for the company and for the fans. Um, so we'll see. It, it, I hope so is my answer to your question, but I don't have a lot of confidence in that. I'm the same as you. I, I genuinely, genuinely hope Um and hey, if anything, at least we're talking about about Becky now. And, you know, people do know who she is to a certain degree. Like I said, she I don't think she's a mainstream star by any means, but... She's she, knocking on the door. She, yeah, she's definitely, if there was a line, she's definitely just, you know, she's just there. She's definitely just there, which is a good thing for WWE. It's a good thing for her. It's a good thing for wrestling. It just gets more eyes. Um Speaking of, um, you brought up Rhea Ripley um, and um, Io Shirai, just the international talent of that the WWE um, have kind of brought in. Um, NXT UK, um, a lot of people I have seen have had an opinion on NXT UK, especially in its in its start. Do you think that NXT UK hurts the British wrestling scene, or do you think it helps? That's a tough question. It's I think it temporarily sets the uh, progression back a little bit, but a long term makes it better. Um, I'm not worried about British wrestling at all because there's um, 
<laughs> it seems like there's more thriving companies in the UK than there are in the US. Like I know that's probably, you know, the when you actually look at the numbers it's probably inaccurate, but I mean, I could list 10 UK companies off the top of my head that are just killing it right now. So, and they're doing that with young talent um and names you probably don't know about yet. Like they're they're killing it and they're doing really well even without Dunn and a lot of guys. Um, I'm not worried about British wrestling. I think it might set back a little bit, but not that long. I think they're going to rebound really quickly. Um, and you already see that with some crazy stuff. Like you see Walter and uh, um, Pac going up against each other soon. Osprey versus Pac. David Starr is over there. Timothy Thatcher. Chris Ridgeway. Uh, you've got some huge names over there, um, so I'm not worried about British wrestling. But I would say that the Performance Center in the UK is a huge thing that not enough people are talking about right now. Yeah, I agree. They've planted they've planted their roots on British soil, and even the the wrestlers who don't eventually sign with WWE or NXT or whatever. They're going to come through that system and get special training and special knowledge that's very unique to WWE that they can use in other companies. Or if they can't make it to the big time in WWE, they can go to AEW. They can go to Progress or whatever. You know? So the, the planning their roots in the UK is massive. That's, a, that's incredible because there's going to be some talent coming out of the UK that – that will get some really, really interesting training and special training that only the WWE can provide with their, you know, legendary coaches that they have. So mm, I agree. Not enough people mm-hmm. are talking about the UK Performance Center. Um, do you think we'll eventually see performance centers in other parts of the world? I'm sure that's the long term goal. I'm pretty sure they're 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 wanting to set it up. I mean, you already see people and scouts going to uh, Brazil, uh, different parts of Asia, China. Um, so I'm, I'm sure they're thinking about it, but, uh, you don't want to put a performance center in, you know, a region that's not going to have enough talent to come in. So like, you don't want to put it in France because there's not really a lot of wrestlers in France. No. They're not, they're not really coming through in France. Um, Germany is a place, but you know, the proximity of Germany to the U- to the UK is very close, so you know I see it as kind of almost a European place. So you're going to get a lot of talent coming out of there. I don't know if it's feasible, but I'm sure they're thinking about a South American. You know, I, I think that's long term, yeah. years and years and years down the line. You might get another one pop up, but this one took ages to kind of put together. Um, so yeah, yeah, in long term, probably. Yeah, I agree. I think um, more places will kind of will kind of get it. Um, biasly, I'd like to hope to see one in Australia, but I don't know if that's something that's even like you said. I don't know if that's a big enough region, a big enough market to do so in Australia. Um, but it is um, at least you know with the UK Performance Centre, it's definitely what was deserved first and it was definitely what was needed first. So yeah, long-term I think we'll have other places. Um, You know, we've talked about a lot of different kind of uh, things happening in wrestling and your kind of background with wrestling. Um, 
just as we're kind of winding down, do you think you're more into wrestling now than you ever have been? Or do you think it's more so you were probably more into it as a kid? I'm more knowledgeable as an adult. And you can see things from a different perspective. You can see... uh, um, you can see like uh i'm sorry i just saw a tweet that there's not going to be fans allowed into the halftime heat taping which is kind of strange yeah that's weird um i think i'm more knowledgeable because when when you're a little older you can understand how businesses work how hierarchies and workplaces work so you can see it with a different perspective as an adult um but i think it's pretty equal you know like when i was at the ring of honor show this weekend there was a kid next to me a couple seats down and he was wanting to walk over like, you know, five feet and go stand by the guardrail where I was. And the the kid's dad had said, hey, can he come over you for the next entrance? He really wants to see so-and-so or whatever. And I was like, absolutely, dude. I was like ready to hold him and lift him. <laughs> like, because I remember as a kid, that's what I lived for. And so when I get ready for watching a really fun show in the morning, like a new Japan show in the morning. Um, I still have that same enjoyment and excitement. And I think I'm, I'm excited just as excited as I was as a kid. I just, we just see things differently now as as an adult versus a kid versus a 15 year old versus a 20 year old. Um, So the perspectives are different, but the enjoyment is, is still the same. I think. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. And just as you grow up as, you know, experiencing life and and growing up as a person, things change, your your views change and stuff like that. As I was kind of a teenager, I don't really necessarily um, enjoy as much as I've kind of, you know, grown up a little bit and stuff like that. So um, I don't think they'll, like, I can't see a time where I won't be interested in in wrestling, but you never know. And you never know where... um, wrestling is going to what it's going to evolve to in the next 10 years 20 years you just you just don't know but all in all i think mm-hmm. um for the most part i'd like to say wrestling is fun um it's a very over the top kind of <laughs> weird form of entertainment that it's hard to explain to some people but wrestling is fun and for the most part i do i really do love wrestling i think i, I mean do you still feel you still feel you have that love for wrestling? Do you think you always will too? I don't know if I always will, but I, I really, really am having a hell of a time right now. Um, like you said, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, we might fall out. Um, things might get dark again and not be fun, and that that could totally happen. Who knows? Um, but honestly, um, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, and to have people on Twitter share that feeling with me is is a new experience within the past year that I've had that I didn't have before because there are several years of me w- waking up watching New Japan by myself at 3.30 in the morning <laughs> and I didn't have like any Twitter people to bounce off of. It was just watching it because I really enjoyed it. So um, yeah, things are really cool right now. Um, so I'm very, very happy with it. Um, but you never know. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm, I'm very speculative about everything. Uh so you never know, it might totally just hit the fan soon, who knows. You don't you don't know for sure, but I'm the same as you. Um the last kind of year or so I've really 
um, it is nice to have, you know, Twitter. And people that kind of share my opinion, don't share my opinion, just people to talk about wrestling with. Um, uh, podcasting especially has opened me up. You know, I've, n- I've never had an opportunity to talk with someone like you or whoever um, about wrestling. Like, I, we've just had, what, an hour and a bit chat about wrestling. And there's not really many people in the town I live in that um, would really do that with me outside a very small number of people. So it is nice to have um, that too. And especially talking with you, um, it's you have – you know, we obviously the core of it. We love wrestling, but you have different opinions than I do, and you have you you, you watch wrestling differently than I do, and we watch mm-hmm. very you know very different products, and that's kind of I think the beauty of loving wrestling. The core of it is still wrestling, and like we can still talk about wrestling all day, no matter what we're kind of watching. Absolutely, yeah, I couldn't have said it better. It's it's. Wrestling is fun, man. And if if you get sidetracked too much with how your stats are, if you're a podcaster, or how many yeah. people look at your blog, or how many mentions you get on your tweets, like it could bring you down. And I've hit that uh, a few times in my six or seven months of podcasting. I've done that a lot. <laughs> so I've been really down in the dumps, and I've and I've talked to people, I've chatted with people, uh, you know. But but at the end of the day, you have to remember that wrestling is fun it's fun man and that enjoyment is 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 still there so you know it's a delicate balance because we have to be an adult too and uh, you know yeah it's, it's interesting <laughs> i hate being an adult um um but yeah like you said like i i just remember why i started podcasting and it was because i love wrestling and if i never kind of lose that side of it um then you know this will always be fun to me but I try to not dwell on like, oh, this this episode only got this many numbers, or this one only got this many numbers. Like, at the end of the day, it you can't doesn't help. Matter. Yeah, you can't help but think about it and look yeah, at it. It's always um, going to be but, there. Like, and but it's just like you have to remember why you started doing this. I don't know what your you know your mm-hmm. personal reason why you started doing this, but mine was just because I love wrestling and I just wanted to get things off of my chest. Really, <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much same here. Um, well, it's been a wonderful chat with you. Um, this is your chance to plug away, to plug anything you have going on. Where can people find you on social media? And um, yeah, let people know what's kind of happening. Yeah. Um, so follow me on Twitter at Wilfred Watches. Um, have a lot coming up that I can barely keep tabs on. Um, we've got uh, Spike Trevay interview coming out very soon eddie kingston interview coming out um there's just a ton of stuff so follow at wilford watches for the most up-to-date information um i have a patreon set up it's uh starting february 1st we have uh, uh a new tier level set up uh so it's going to be two dollars four dollars and six dollars uh, $2, you get all the bonus you know, content, early interviews. You get to hear the interviews before everybody else. Um, $4, you get to field questions directly to the wrestlers that I speak to. Um, and then $6, you get to do all that stuff, bonus stuff, field questions to the wrestlers. And you get a t-shirt. Um, so consider jumping on the Patreon if you want to support a independent uh college student person <laughs> um so that's patreon.com slash wilford watches um and yeah just follow me on twitter uh, i never shut up so um yeah thanks for that um well thank you for coming on i really do appreciate 
appreciate you um, chatting about wrestling with just some moron like me. But um, I just I just love talking about wrestling. You obviously do as well, so it was nice to have a chat. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no problem at all. And um, this will do it for this episode of Wrestling Reverb. Um, please rate this podcast five stars on iTunes. You know, you know the deal by now. You can kind of catch this podcast pretty much wherever you find podcasts. And um, next week I will have Kevin um, join me as a permanent co-host. So look out for that. Probably dropping next Monday or Tuesday. And um, yeah, I will catch you guys next time. Peace.